A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. of Horror, the podcast where we review classic horror films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at the sequel to the coming-of-age film Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf 2. This sequel replaces Michael J. Fox with Jason Bateman and replaces the fun and joy of the original with a steaming pile of cinematic diarrhea. <laughs> with me, as always, is Dr. Anthony Ladon. <laughs> so, Steve, you know that I, uh, I'm a sucker for a werewolf movie? Yeah. <laughs> I owe you an apology. <laughs> oh, t- tell me why. <laughs> well, I picked this movie, and you'd already seen it once, and uh, I feel like I, wa- I waterboarded you twice. <laughs> I think it's quite charming at, at points. <laughs> uh, this movie is completely without charm. This is the least charming movie I've ever seen, and I'm including the Zapruder film. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. This might be the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. I'll accept that. However, the boxing's still better than Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the box. Yeah. If I was gonna rank boxing like scenes, uh, yeah. I don't know that this is. If I'm, you know, including all the Rockies, I mean, it's certainly better than five and four. And much of two. You have at least a gesture to guard your face in this. In this yeah, film. yeah. Okay, if if you're willing to get on board with me on that, let me take it a little bit further. This is the best werewolf boxing movie ever made. Um. Wow. Yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. Good. Now I. <laughs> Uh, all right, I think I think we got to talk about a little bit about. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. I just this uh, is, a, I mean, honestly, and I and I, <laughs> not one for hyperbole, but yeah, this. If it weren't for like a pretty decent soundtrack, good Christ, this movie's bad. <laughs> okay, yes. However, however, um, it's a comedy, right? I mean, is it? I laughed well, several times while oh, watching. Oh, oh, there was a point where I howled laughing, but it was not during a part that was like written on the script to be funny. <laughs> That's right. So it meant to make you laugh. Sure. 
And it succeeds, I guess, right? <laughs> it makes you laugh. Where's the problem? Where's the problem? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is like, I'm not even sure the like, so this is, and I don't like laugh out loud a bunch, right? And I don't, I certainly don't laugh out loud like alone. But in this case, <laughs> during the musical number, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it went from like, I mean, I went through a, a lot of emotions. Um, like at first I was like, oh, don't just don't like, I was just sort of like, I'm like, this is when my son left the room, by the way. Yeah, no, I, yeah, good boy. Uh, I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like simultaneously, like I'm multitasking. I'm looking up time machine, like, like theory to see if there's a way that I could go back and just stop that from happening. And, and so I'm like, I'm like, I'm just cringing. And then it's like, and then like I, I I'll suddenly just start getting mad. Sure. Because I'm thinking like, okay, Bateman, this movie comes out in 87. Bateman's born in 69. He's 18 when this movie comes out. There's a good chance he was filming this when he was 17. I'm like, this is child abuse. <laughs> and and then I just get to the point where like, because it's just relentless. It's like, no, we're, we're going to do this all the way through. We're going to go start to finish with this particular song and dance number. And like, then I just start, like, I just start like laughing like and it's it was kind of a maniacal i might be coming a super villain kind of laugh like it was it was almost <laughs> it was almost like it was like a clockwork orange type experiment <laughs> I, mean, I just start i start laughing and i'm like i don't even it's just maniacal this is like like what like just just the idea that i live in in the same universe where this was a good idea to somebody so so Bateman, all right. So, so this movie was directed by Kent Bateman. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming I did no research at all. I'm assuming that this person is related to Kevin or Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I'm assuming that this person is related to Jason Bateman in some way and hates him and hated him and growing ju- up. And you're suggesting that this is an attempt to ruin. Yeah. A child. <laughs> yeah, this goes deep. This is this is uh, this is a family issue. To... Yeah. It's a family issue. Like he. This is, is a this is a Game of Thrones succession. Yeah, I think there's a parallel, right? So I think what happens is, is that in real life, Jason Bateman is getting enough heat at home, right? Like he's 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 had some success, even though it hasn't been like like sustainable mm-hmm. success. But he's of the Bateman. You know, I mean, everyone was like kind of like hitched their wagon to Justine, but then she kind of looked like maybe she's a one trick pony. But it was Jason's on the ascent, and maybe he was getting a little cocky at home. You know, mm-hmm. maybe everybody's like, "We liked it before you were famous," and he's like, "This is who I am, man." So he was so. So they created Teen Wolf 2 to sort of parallel uh, and create like an allegory for his own life. And then they were like, well, we can't stop you in real life. Kent Kent Bateman is the father of actors Jason Bateman and Justine Bateman. Yeah, and he clearly hated his son. I think it was sort of like, you've gotten too big for your britches. Um, I think you you're gonna need to be humbled a little. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not the worst thing. It's creative Hollywood punishment. I like the idea, right? I can't ground you, but I can put you in a terrible movie. Because most child actors are ruined by the experience. Oh yeah. So maybe it's sort of like okay, but I'm gonna set you up to be a well-adjusted adult by putting you in the worst werewolf movie ever made. In order to save you, I must destroy you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. At one point, at, at, there's a couple points in the movie where he's called a dog. Yeah. He calls himself a dog. He's called a dog by a really pretty girl. 
but he does a really good job of trying to like uh, move away from that uh, by running in the park and catching a frisbee. <laughs> he he catches a frisbee with his mouth yeah. and then signs autographs. Yeah. If this isn't a commentary on <laughs> on child actors, I don't know what is. Yeah. I think that you are underselling the meta commentary of this film. His dad is feeling so helpless. He feels like he's controlled by his children. So he has the only. He's like, I only have one one mechanism that I can set this ship on the right path. <laughs> Okay, so Bateman for me was always kind of a poor man's Michael J. Fox, right? Sure. But if you look back on their careers, I think you would probably prefer Bateman's career. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like there may be some other circumstances that might make Michael J. Fox's career a little different. <laughs> I mean, aside from aside from the the medical issues, right. I kind of feel like but I, Bateman, feel like like, I would have never said this. I would have never said this a decade ago. But now you're looking at the two actors and you're thinking Bateman still has a lot of road ahead of him. Um, he's he's had a resurgence for sure. Right? Well, so that's a testament. So this this movie is a testament to how talented Jason Bateman is because this should have ruined him, and <laughs> it did. It did for a minute. I mean, there's no. I mean, he had. Like the Hogan family going on, and so he was uh-huh. kind of this, and like he had he had had a string of like unsuccessful shows and and yep. attempts, and it was just what. And so the Hogan family was catching some fire, and he was cute enough, and all that good stuff. He was the youngest director of TV of a TV episode, all that good stuff. And then for whatever reason, um, Hollywood said, "No, we want to, we got to bring this kid down a notch." Yeah, yeah, and they they handed him the keys to Teen Wolf two. They put him in Teen Wolf makeup that, like, there were moments where he looks like Liberace. <laughs> like, more so than he does a werewolf. And, like, and like I don't know what they did. Like, so they, they learned no lessons from Teen Wolf. Like, the one of the biggest criticisms of Teen Wolf was the way that he looked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like sure. that was, like, a big criticism. Like, yeah, but he doesn't look like a wolf. He kind of looks like kind of like a Planet of the Apes. And it's like, so here you're going to do it again. And you're like, no, let's let's make it the same, but a little worse somehow. <laughs> do you have an Do you have an elevator pitch for this movie? <laughs> it's time that we stick it to Jason Bateman. <laughs> you know that kid from Silver Spoons? <laughs> no, no, the other one. No, you no, the other kid? one. <laughs> no, 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 the other one. Uh, Alfonso? No, <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah. Freddie? No, 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 no. Menudo? <laughs> going through every menudo uh performer until you finally get to like oh jason Bateman. oh yeah justine's brother yeah I don't yeah, like yeah. you know that you know that kid we need to take him down <laughs> really why well I, i'm not gonna say are you his father yeah but let's let's not talk about that so i want you to know steve that i've attended uh, many institutions of higher learning mm-hmm. in three different countries I have taught at several institutions of higher learning. I'm here to tell you that this administrator, <laughs> he's probably the, the most authentic depiction <laughs> of what you know college is like in real life. Sure. I think everyone I've ever met in higher learning is worried about the regional boxing championship <laughs> to, bring, to bring the institution to its former glory. Right. I, uh... Is there a thing known as boxing scholarships? 
I'm, I don't know. I've never heard of it. I, I mean, mean I, I don't know about scholarships. Very curious as to which colleges are like historically known as mm. boxing colleges. Sure. To the point yeah. where if that if that shine dulls a little bit, it, it's bad for the for the entire institution. <laughs> so, so, okay. There's a lot here. I mean, and it's just like I don't, I don't, I will say, I don't know that there's been many movies that have made me think about them so much, quite like Teen Wolf Two. So Chubbs. Just Chubbs was Chubbs was on the varsity. I, I, I told you, I told you, Chubbs was the was the highlight of this entire film. Chubbs was the he was a varsity basketball player at the high school, which yep. is impressive at the age thirty three or whatever he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't good. Made him popular enough to motorboat it at the party. <laughs> exactly. And then he's now. I'm, did he get a boxing scholarship? He's on the he's on the collegiate boxing team. Also plays the tuba. My sense is that he got a fencing scholarship. <laughs> oh, that's right. Then... <laughs> that's right. There was a fencing. Totally forgot. And then once he, once he got there on his fencing scholarship, he went out for the boxing team because there was no one else in that weight class. Well, because he also knew the coach from high school. Because <laughs> he knew the coach from high school, who looks like he's gone under a quite a bit of reconstructive facial surgery. Yeah, he said, give me the nameth. <laughs> and he's it's it's an interesting wig he's wearing as well. So yeah, um, so I like I like how this this dean is like puts an awful lot of pressure on <laughs> on this boxing coach. By the way, boxing coach who used to be a high school basketball. Coach. He was a high school and he, a bad high school basketball. He had one good season, right? And so so the dean hired this guy. Yep. And and then gives him. I mean, it's a it's a bold move. It's a very Ted Lasso esque type move. But he, you know, so you would think that he's trying to tank the the program, but he's really trying to build it up. And so he was like, I'm going to go out there and get the guy that had one good season of basketball coaching at the high school level, and I'm going to have him coach uh, my boxers. And he, you know, obviously was able to be like, well, you know, I'm so coming. much so that he wants to introduce like. Like the donors to like the the the, the boxing yeah. stars, at all the twelve, all twelve of them at that big donor party, uh, and he, and of course, I mean, one of the stipulations was like, "I'm coming, but I'm bringing I'm bringing one of my uh, I'm bringing my center uh, with me. His name is Chubbs, <laughs> and he's such a good fencer. I love when he's he's going down the hallway with he's his sword. He's more believable out. as a fencer than he is a tuba player. I'll tell you. He that stabs way. he stabs Todd Howard's chocolate milk. I was like, oh, sorry, like, like, oh, I didn't realize as I was lunging down a, a crowded hallway with a sword that it might impale something. <laughs> now you took fencing. Can you actually see through those uh, masks? Yeah, you actually kind of need to. Because um, I thought maybe if you can't, like, I don't know if you, maybe you put that on, maybe it's like a Jedi thing. Yeah, no, it's um, sight matters in fencing. I mean, I don't. I only took one semester, but okay. So, so that that kind of like all, uh, that ruins my theory yeah. about that that scene. Um, so, well, my favorite, my favorite thing about Chubbs is that somehow he's playing tuba for the uh, string quartet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the school has fourteen people in it, by the way. He's not always playing with the string quartet, which, you know, makes a lot of sense because you don't often see a tuba in a string quartet, but rarely. Yeah. He just plays enough so that when the camera's on him, he'll sort of like like toot out a little bit. 
<laughs> but it's clear why the why he's in that scene. Scott needs to look in the reflection in the tuba. Yeah, the they were tuba. they they tried the, the early script was like, "Well, can you can you get the most reflective violin you can?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> Like what so, about like what about anything else that's reflective? Like anything else? Nope, got to be a tuba and get me chubs. So, so that was that was great. I, I loved that he's in that scene. He's you know chubs. Like I said, chubs makes this movie for me. This is this is a fantastic performance by chubs. I like I like that when he goes full wolf, uh, he kicks chubs out of the car. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting on the curb, yeah. hitchhiking. hitchhiking. Yeah, hitchhiking on the curb. And then I, he's like studiously, you know, he, he's really hitting the books in, in his dorm room. This is a tour de force by Chubbs. I don't know this actor's name, but I feel like this was his magnum opus. <laughs> yeah, no, this was, yeah. I, the range uh, on this guy. <laughs> he, can just, he can fart while he sleeps. <laughs> I forgot about that part. That's I, it's it's something, right? Like I mean, I love I love the idea. Like I, I assume. I mean, I don't know. I don't make any assumptions. I don't want to give too much credit to any of the people that were behind this. But like, I would assume that they had a maybe Scott Howard goes to college like idea, and yeah. uh, Michael J. Fox um, wisely said no. And to whomever played Styles in the first one, lots of credit to you, sir. <laughs> We're also saying no. <laughs> I wonder how many people were in on this until they actually saw what it was all about. Right. Like, I mean, if, I mean, I mean, Mr. Howard's there for sure. Mr. Howard is there in lieu of the of Todd's parents. <laughs> Mr. Howard is taking a very active role in his nephew's life. An exceptionally active role to the point where I'm like, I think that there's a more sinister narrative here. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that uh, Uncle Howard here is uh, he 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 ate his wife, <laughs> well, and we clearly he ate the relationship he had with Boof in the first. Yeah, movie. and clearly he ate his brother and his brother's wife. So he's grooming lunch. Is so what you're saying so yeah he's this sweet Howard. He's actually trying. He's the alpha of this pack. <laughs> so he's trying to keep his son and now his his nephew in check. He's he's. Telling them to like to deny uh, their wolfness, right? He's trying to get them to suppress it because he knows that his days are numbered and he needs to maintain his. So he's he's getting rid of all non wolves in the family. That's one thing. Well, well, it could be that he got rid of Scott as well. Do well, we see that, Scott? Right? We don't know. I mean, he mangled Styles so much that he had to have a new face. It's a. I, it, I mean, I love I mean, the conceptually, right? You go, okay, well, we can't have we can't have Michael J. Fox back, but we don't want to just recast him. Let's have a cousin. Okay. So, well, we got to bring as much connection to the original as possible. All right. So get me Styles, Chubbs, and, and we'll have uh, Scott's dad as the uncle. And we're like, well, we can't get Styles. That doesn't matter. No one can. We'll just, we'll just tell everybody he's Styles. <laughs> as and long as we have Chubbs, this thing still works. Chubbs the anchor. Oh, we're going to bring the coach back, too. Why? Why do we have to bring Well, we can't get him, but we're going to get somebody else to be that coach. It's like, is there a reason why he can't just be a different coach? He Why also can't it be, be like the coach's brother who specializes in boxing. That that would be as plausible because he could have heard the story. Oh, it'd be totally more plausible than than getting a new actor to convince me that your bad basketball coach now has a job with a university as the boxing coach who was hired specifically to bring to bring the institution to its former glory. 
I think you're right. I think that there's something about nefarious about Mr. Howard here. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's there ought to be like ten movies where he's kind of like the the doting father figure, but at the end of it, you're wondering, what are his motives? And then successively, like maybe like when you get to like the seventh movie in the franchise, you realize <laughs> he's a serial killer. Right. And so and so Scott and, and Todd have to like team up. <laughs> I was really digging the uh the idea that you've got a teen wolf but he's he's like super nerdy. Yeah. I like that idea. I feel like you you almost don't need to connect it to the previous movie at all. I'll give you a werewolf movie, but this is going to be a super nerdy wolf. Like he's going to use his werewolf powers to like register for classes. And get a library book. I, I'm in. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> give me give me more of that. I want to I want to see with all the ferocity that Michael J. Fox wants beer. Right. This werewolf wants a science book that later he admits that he's so smart he probably doesn't even need to read it. <laughs> right. So with Teen Wolf, let me hear the thing is, and I and I defend Teen Wolf. You know, I mean, I, it's it's a bit of a misfire in many ways, but but I like the idea of of adolescence uh, com- combination with, with yeah. being a wolf, right? Like, so the idea of becoming a man or the perception of what it means to become a man, especially in high school and how, like, there's sort of this hyper macho sense, right? Like, you you got to be you gotta be good with the ladies. You got to be a jock, all that, di- all that yeah. different stuff, right? So then the wolf gives the ability to, to sort of, you know, navigate that, but you lose yourself in the process, right? So, so that's the balancing act. So I think yeah. the, in and of itself, Teen Wolf has got, like, it, it's got a good foundation. You get a Teen Wolf two, and I just don't know why. That's it. I don't hard stop. Well, the whole thing. I think the whole thing for the first one was like a. It was a metaphor for navigating puberty, navigating yeah. high school because you you want to be popular, but you know maybe that makes you into a monster. Right. Well, in this case, he didn't want any of that. He didn't want. He's any super. Of it. Yeah. Even the girl he's with is like. You're not going to understand any of this. You're a you're a jock, which suggests right. that you're a big dummy or whatever. And then and he but like don't talk about it immediate. Like so he immediately becomes terrible. <laughs> like it's not a slow burn. I mean like even like at least Scott Howard Does has he, this. All right, let's let's interrogate this a little bit. Is he so bad? I mean, he's just having fun. Everyone's trying to get him to stop having fun. It's fun to be a wolf. Let the guy have a little bit of fun. So here's here's an interesting thing, right? So I watched this on Tubi. Um, yeah, so did I. Yeah, I absolutely with, did. With, with you got you got ads. Yep. Yeah, that's what this movie deserves. So I it, one of the ads is for proactive, and in pro, in the proactive ad, there's all these uh, testimonials of of teens or you know people in their early twenties, and they're just talking about how just life without acne is so much better. And at one time, <laughs> sure. at one point, the girl says. Um, uh, proactive is you know now I'm I'm not self conscious I don't have acne people now get to see me for who I really am that's the opposite message of Teen Wolf <laughs> everyone's telling him hey look you're you're a wolf but you got to not be the wolf and he's like how about you go be a regular person I'm the wolf. it's like hey I liked you better before you won the lottery and had all those millions okay well I'll just take all those millions and throw them in the ocean. No, I'm better than you now. 
I'm going to live like I feel like he's being wolf-shamed. He's being wolf-shamed. Absolutely. And I think the one one person who I'm I'm pretty sure the the college professor who's also kind of wolfy. Mm Mm-hmm. Has a tail for some reason. She, she's got the eyes and the tail. Yeah. They couldn't afford to put her in the full wolf garb, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe they tried it and they're like, nope, too wolfy. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw a tail on her. It's a little more sensitive. I thought this was going to work. This is going to bump our rating up if we put you in the, in the wolf costume. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel like um, we need to remake this movie. We need a Teen Wolf uh, 2 also. Or a, a Teen Wolf as well. <laughs> this time, it's good. People around him saying, "Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we we like it. We think that you're. We you could have it all, man. You can you can be a scientist and a wolf at the same time. I don't know why the wolf turns you into a jerk. I don't know why it's like all of a sudden the wolf attracts the worst kind of people. Why it's can't a, yeah. Styles and Chubbs just enjoy the wolfiness? Yeah, the lesson almost seems more to to Styles, right? Like that kind of feels like what it's like. You know, you're capitalizing on it, and mm-hmm. and now look at because he says I created a monster, right? It's like, and I I feel like it's it's missing. I mean, I, I guess the idea of the curse of the of the werewolf when you look at the various lore and other films, and um, you know, it turns you into a monster. I mean, like you're mm-hmm. kind of vicious, and it's hard to it's hard to contain because you have this animal, you know, instinct. And in this case, like, yeah, you have that, but it manifests itself uh, in, uh, you know, very elaborate choreographed uh, dance sequences. Um, you drive a Corvette <laughs> recklessly. Um, threesomes. And that's well, we didn't know. We don't know what's going on behind that. <laughs> I, have a, I have a pretty good idea. No, no, no. This is a. This is just a. Uh... A lively game of spades happening. He's he's just showing how good he is at Twister, and it's just so hot in the room. <laughs> I mean, when he, okay, I can't, I'm going to talk about this probably like 17 more times because I've only seen the movie once, but I've probably seen the "Do You Love Me" dance song and dance sequence probably like 14 times. <laughs> I mean, what? How? <laughs> There's so like. There is so much that goes on to throwing a party like that, and the streamers and all of that stuff. And I'm, uh, my, I'm like, how is Styles pulling it off? And I'm like, well, the when you're the werewolf, you can do almost anything. So my guess is he also decorated. Like he's so good at decorating now, because <laughs> like, sure. he can do everything. He could break he has dance. powers he can... of hypnotism because half half of that dance is choreographed, right? He he's even got background dancers, right? But it's like, and it's not him; it's everybody. Like, how did he, like he? He has a power that emanates through everybody, and everybody can dance. Everyone is seduced by the the power of the wolf, man. And the great, I mean, look, the song, very appropriate, right? Do you love me? It's a very passive-aggressive song, right? I mean, do you love me now that I can dance? And that's the whole point here, right? Like, do you love me now that I can box? Do you love me now that Mm -hmm. I can do backflips? So, so, yeah, it's very poignant, (laughs) Ken Bateman. Hats off to that. but that is the most absurd moment in cinema history, I think. I, I don't... You know he can box. Did you know he can sing? He's got to learn how to box overnight because he's just been, like, relying... He's just been relying on his wolf powers to box. Right. And 
the the solution is to have Mr. Howard come and teach him a few moves that no one's seen in thirty years. With the uppercut. Yeah, I guess the uh, and when he gives him that look, like now it's time to do the uppercut. Like no, they just they stop teaching it. The uppercut was gone from boxing for thirty years, and enough to. <laughs> Enough to surprise the other university's boxers that they just have the word academy across their chest. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we're looking at ourselves. Okay, we, during the semifinals, if we can beat school, uh, we can advance to, to challenge academy. Why does he wolf out during the frog fight? Does he have to show off that he's even a, the best frog fighter? <laughs> I forgot about the frog fight. Yeah, I think that anything that requires kind of like um, anything athletic. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to catch a frisbee with your mouth, if you're going to do a flip off a balcony, <laughs> if you're going to box, if you're going to throw a frog, anything that requires a little bit of athleticism, you're going to want to be the the wolf to do that. I get it. Yeah, yeah sure. It makes sense. Yeah, why not? He he's He loves her. They love each other. Well, I mean, what? they've had a lot of history, those two. Yeah, I mean, it's been like a week and a half, maybe. They argued over a a, a textbook. Yeah, he, he keep in mind, this is not him as a wolf. This is him as just a regular guy, and he loses his mind. Like, I, think, he, I think that explains some of it. Like, he has lost his mind. The, the, the problem is that she's buying any of this. He's just yelling at this poor student who's kind of into him about a book. And and that was it. She's like, yeah, I, I, that's kind of that's kind of relationship I'm looking for. And she talks to me. She's like, you're changed. You're not like who I want the old old Todd. I'm telling really? you, you want the old Todd powers. He's you hypnotizing want, these people. You want the old Todd, the one that would yell at you <laughs> the second time you see him in in the library. That's the Todd you want. <laughs> Is there a a trope, a device, or a cliche that you enjoyed in this movie? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I feel like there was so much new ground being broken. <laughs> no um, cliches. Not a cliche to be had. Well, the thing is, is like I want to say a montage because we like montage, but this like it was a study montage. <laughs> really? You're going to give me a study way, montage? The way that she's helping him study is she's just stacking books right next yep. to him. Yeah. There's a point where he read like, that one and that one and that towards, one. And towards that. the end of that montage with this with the choice of sweater and the glasses, he looks like a dead ringer for Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> now his his whole vibe is is me in eighth grade. <laughs> I had that exact haircut even with the little you know the the tiny little stray hair in the part that goes straight up. Mm-hmm. With a, just a just a hint of a mullet in the back, yeah. Uh, the, even the green shirt and the acid wash jeans—that was it. That, that was me. I was wearing those things. Now he's in college. Yeah, I was in eighth grade, but it, it was you know it's about that that time period. How about you? What, what worked for you? I know you're a werewolf guy. Yeah, like like give me any kind of werewolf sequence. I, I want to see. You know, I've I've never seen a werewolf wolf out during a dance. Looking into the, his reflection in a tuba. Yeah, he got all horned up in that dance too, and he's wolfing out. I think that that would that was it. You know, it was sort of like I've never been this close to a girl before. I'm gonna. So I I do think that there's something about the wolf out for me 
that makes a werewolf movie. And most of the time they don't show any kind of wolf out. You know, it's like the camera's not on the werewolf when he Mm. turns. (laughs) These werewolves, they can wolf out in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, certainly this does, you know, sort of break some of the rules, right? There's not not a full moon required. It can be... It can be tense, right? Like if he's in his, if he's challenged, as we've seen in boxing. Um, but also when you're dancing, like so when you're when you're a little yeah. Short. I think that the first time that you wolf out, you kind of resist it, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't happen so quickly. It's like me when I have to vomit. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, but once you get the hang of it, man, you you're pushing that facial hair out. You're sucking it back in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the trickiest thing for me. Is how are they sucking that facial hair back into their face? When his like forehead is pulsating as he's trying to get his classes trained, it's just a different thing, right? Like the "give me the keg of beer" thing is like such a like a it makes like it works, right? It's a it's a great scene, uh, you know, juxtaposed with you know the sort of like trying to break the rules and all that uh-huh. stuff. And then here it is: is like he just wants to change his classes. All he wants to do. He, he's a very, very aggressive student in this situation, right? I mean, all he just... wants to do is take biology. I don't understand. This has got to be changed. You've got Excuse a me. lot of nerve. Nobody ever yeah, changes their classes. Uh, I, uh... Well, well, come on, come on. I haven't got all day. I'd like to change some classes. So it becomes a very, you know, and by the way, like Styles can just change his. Who is this registrar that's like, nope, no one ever gets to change any right. of their classes. But they didn't have a problem when Styles changed them on his behalf. <laughs> I have a sense that Styles is paying people off. He's, he's, yes, yeah, he's actually an agent working for uh, Mr. Howard. <laughs> oh, they look at that like they're at odds, but really they're yeah. both. Playing from either side. It's, I like like, it. it's, it's, his, it's his Renfield. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, Steve, is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard movie? Oh, God. <laughs> this isn't better than a Clint Howard movie. <laughs> it's not even better than a Mr. Howard movie. Yeah, no, this is... Yeah, this is a, a Ron Howard minus infinity. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a Howard minus eight. Okay. I did. There were times where I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, I, I liked when the coach was like, it's a five letter word for Italian sausage. <laughs> He's looking at boy's life. Right. Yeah. And he says, oh, Frank. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's, there's an absurdity. The word, like, the word Frank comes to him as he's flipping through a copy of Boy's Life magazine. I don't know. I, there, there were little bits like that that tickled me from here. here the dog here. licks his, his socks and he gets a, like a, there's like this brief moment of like, like he gets kind of aroused. Oh yeah. He loves it. Yeah. He's into it. The movie's super weird. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, this movie functions in terms of like, Style and quality uh, and writing <laughs> like a porno without sex. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like that. 
<laughs> like that about it. I never liked the sex in pornos. That's right. Just, ooh, this, I mean. I always feel like it's a little over the top. And I mean, I feel like we need to talk a little bit more about John Aston. I mean, there are moments where he's yelling and like grabbing Jason Bateman's hair. And I'm like, I think this guy hates Jason Bateman. Like in real life. Like took this role specifically because he want he he was all part of the big like we got we got to take this kid down a notch. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jason Bateman's acting should be discussed here. I feel like he's really whispery. He's like he, I think he's he's going for like sweet kid, mm-hmm. and in order to convey the sweetness. He's just whispery. He's just yeah. he's kind of a he's a whisperer. He's he's kind of like uh, if we make reference to you know I don't want to go on another one of these tangents, but like when Kenny Loggins sings uh, "This Is It," he gets very breathy and a little growly. I feel like that is kind of what he modeled his entire performance on. Okay. Right. So when he's when he's Scott Howard on his own, he's the breathier Kenny Loggins. But when he's wolfing out, he's a little more growly and a little more. Sensual. Well, that's right. He he has those two gears. He's either whispery sweet guy or he's full-on wolfing out yeah he become he's becomes way worse than scott howard though like as the wolf right i mean why? I, I still don't understand why has everyone got a problem with this guy <laughs> what's he what's he actually he's not eating people no he's a werewolf i would be happy like look i he's not scratch he doesn't scratch anyone in the closet that's true that's true all he wants to do i guess he does he's, he's a bit of a miniature golf showboat let's be real <laughs> if that's the worst let me just say this if the worst that you can say about a guy who's struggling with werewolfism is that he's kind of a jerk when he plays miniature golf right yeah that's true I don't see what the problem is. Maybe that's the problem, is that they're like, mm, we kind of thought you'd be cooler. <laughs> like, like they're like, yeah, you're kind of a dead wolf, actually, now that we think is about it. Is this movie a commentary on the money that flows through college athletics? <laughs> yeah, that's what this whole thing was. <laughs> the whole thing was about about exploitation of, of student-athletes. Yeah, they're giving him the keys to the car. They're promising him money and women. All he has to do is perform in the ring. The world is his oyster. Like, what? If, why did he have to win? Like, wouldn't it have been better if he lost? Oh, how so? Well, if he if he loses, right? I mean, wh- why does he have to win? Like, there was no reason for him to win. Like he didn't ever because he he's got to return Hamilton to its former glory. I don't. Well, know. Why what, should What's he? the problem? Well, why should he? Why does he owe anything to Hamilton? Oh well, I guess that's the point. I mean, if he wants to, it somehow makes it worse. Right, driving the convertible. I guess. He but the thing is that so the dean kind of wins. Oh, that's true. I mean, that's the the lesson here because the way that it sets up is because he the, put butts in the seats. He probably got those donors to the dean give him is money. The, the dean is the villain, and and at the end he's like, yeah, even as the wolf, I I I without being the wolf, I won, and it's like so nothing. The the dean is like, yeah, okay. Mission accomplished. Mm. It's a weird yeah. lesson. So maybe that maybe uh, Mr. Howard is also using the dean as a puppet. Mr. Howard is is it may be the most evil character we've ever encountered in cinema. <laughs> he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> does this 
movie have a half the battle one to grow on moment? <laughs> uh, yeah, don't rent it. Watch it free on Tubi. <laughs> I will say. Is this, is this the worst movie we've covered so far? I, I think so. I mean, it was it was crazy to me how because uh, I, you know, I I never watched it, which is crazy to me. Like I, I told some people last night that I watched it, and they're like, You've "Never seen it before." Um, God, I don't even know how I never even got around to renting it. It's like I mean, I think I heard so many bad things about it. And to be honest, we talked about this with Teen Wolf. Was that I wasn't crazy about it when it came out. I was a little disappointed in it, and I've liked it more later. So I didn't feel like, oh, I like Teen Wolf enough where I'm willing to now go to Teen Wolf two with, you know, with terrible reviews with a new cast. Um, and so I just sort of avoided it, right? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know why. Maybe I, I just, I knew it was going to be bad. And I just didn't want to put myself through it. So here, But I, it's weird that I never gave it a shot. And then here it is, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, this never had to happen. And immediately, like immediately, I'm like, this movie's going to be terrible. Like, there's nothing, I can't see a redeemable thing happening in this movie. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Well, then it leans into the boxing thing. I, I think that the last 15 minutes is boxing. Yeah. That really goes on quite a It's almost like they thought what we're going to do is we're going to merge the success of Teen Wolf and Karate Kid. And that's going to be that's going to be the movie right there. When yeah. does Karate Kid come out? I think it's like 84, maybe 86. It's definitely before this one, right? Oh, yeah. So there was a there's a little bit about that. Yeah, because 84 like, is Karate Kid. Mr. Howard's a little Mr. Miyagi in this film. Except that Mr. Miyagi didn't like kill his own wife and then his brother and his mm, brother's wife. Mm, we don't know. We yeah, don't know true. about Mr. Miyagi's wife. That's right. Well, we know she's not around. <laughs> we know he cries. He cries at their anniversary. But <laughs> That's right. Uh, maybe he wolfed out at some point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess the the uppercut would be like the crane kick uh, parallel. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Only everybody. I still knows, love that the everybody uppercut. knows what an uppercut is. No one, no one had seen an uppercut in thirty years. It's like nobody, nobody owns Mike Tyson's punch out in '87. <laughs> great shots, great shots of the college. Uh, you know, a lot of shots at the college. Yeah, they, they wanted to show us every college building. Right. Yeah, for all 14 students. <laughs> all right, I think we've we've done more more than enough. I don't know. I feel like we just scratched the surface. Because uh, <laughs> it just happened it just had such an effect on me. It had such an I love, effect. I love that the team wolf has particular powers. They're not the powers that you would imagine a wolf to have. Right. Yeah. Like like at least you know, is there any kind of like super heightened senses in this movie? Nope. But boy, he can dance. Teen Wolf's in this universe. If you wolf out, you are absolutely going to be able to dance. I guess just wear sunglasses better. You, you'll really be able to pull off a pair of sunglasses as a wolf. But not a fedora. Okay, let's just be real clear. You can flip. This- this movie, this movie shows that a wolf can do just about True. anything except pull off a fedora. Yeah, no, and very few people can. I mean, let's be honest; it's a challenge. But not even not even a wolf can pull off a fedora. 
Like, could you could still bring back the uncle and also have this guy have parents we see. Like, why are they not there? Why? I guess that's that's the key question for this whole thing. Why? Why this movie? Exactly. So that was yeah. If you if you sum this, movie <laughs> why up, make this movie? Why Teen Wolf two? If you want to contact us, uh, listeners, you can reach us at cocoonsofhorror at gmail.com. It's important that you spell cocoons right, and you probably won't. <laughs> yeah, we have a uh, we have a fan email from Robot K. Love it. Uh, he says, why did I wait so long to listen to Cocoons of Horror? Discovered this podcast through Perfect Stranger Things and Double Dragon. I'm currently listening back through the catalog and just finished the Anthony and Steve meet an American werewolf in London episode and wanted to share my experience with the movie. Being in my late 40s, I grew up in the 1980s. My teenage older sisters rented the VHS when I was seven years old. It was the first horror movie I ever saw and it contributed to two things. One, me being so scared that I crawled into my older sister's bed that night and wet the bed with her in it. <laughs> Serves her right for renting it and letting me watch it. And two, developing a recurring nightmare in which my sister, in the dream, jump scares me with the vampire demon face flash, similar to the running through the forest scene. Thank you both for reigniting these fond memories. Fingers crossed they don't have a nightmare tonight and wet the bed. Fun fact, minus the problematic artist, John Landis directed the Michael Jackson music video for Thriller based upon Michael Jackson seeing this movie. Keep up with the podcast. Yeah, I had no, until that email I had no idea. That, uh, that there was a connection between this movie and Thriller. Yeah. No, no, yeah. And, you know, Landis... And Landis has an interesting filmography. We talked a little bit about that uh, in that episode, so people can go back and... Yeah. And check that out. I will say, Robot K, solid move. If you're going to wet the bed, don't wet your own bed. Yeah, too many people wet in their own beds. Don't piss where you sleep, guys. That's that's the takeaway. Crawl in someone this else's bed and wet the bed. That's your that's your wonder girl on moment. Don't piss in your own in your own bed. Uh, Robot K actually also wrote an iTunes review for us, which I appreciate. Uh, he says a lot of the same stuff that he says in uh, the email, but I like how he ends it. He says, "I'm a hundred percent here for the." an equally satirical and sincere comparison of the werewolf lore and teen wolf monster squad and a werewolf in London in just a few words. Cocoons of horror has nards. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully uh, robot K and uh, doesn't feel slighted by uh, my uh, disdain for teen wolf. Two. <laughs> this review says, uh, why can't life be more like movies? And the person who wrote it is named Only Crans. <laughs> it's a great name. I, I, I don't know what it means, but I, I like it. I like Only Crans. Makes me nostalgic for the good old days in Philly when a spontaneous acapella concert would break, around or break out around a fire barrel. USA. USA. That is one of my favorite little bits of the first Rocky. Right. The acapella group meets around the fire barrel. And when we were watching this with my son, he noticed that Rocky walks by 
gives them a review and yeah, says, yeah. you guys sound better every year. Yeah. And my son said, he comes back every year? <laughs> That's right. He comes back every year to update his Yelp review. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. All right. Well, we do appreciate these iTunes review. They help more listeners find us, and they give us content for the podcast. Just in case we decide we don't want to talk about werewolf movies. <laughs> Will we review every werewolf movie, Steve? Um, I don't know, man. Teen Wolf 2 may have done it for me. Why not us? Right, why not us? Yeah, we're just going to start just leaning into every werewolf film that there ever was. I think that that should be a staple. Every season should have a werewolf. It's just going to be werewolf and boxing movies from here on. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>